Welcome to Fried, the burnout podcast. Fried is the podcast for everyone who has ever felt burnout because of their job, relationship, or life. Kate Donovan, burnout expert, will interview a new guest each week who will share their burnout stories with all the gory details. Every episode will give you immediate action steps that you can take right now if you're feeling fried and crispy around the edges. Fried's main goals are to raise burnout awareness, kill the associated shame, and create a movement to end burnout culture. Hello, Fried fans. I am so excited today to talk with Simone Craig, who is a wealth expert on a mission to close the wealth gap one woman at a time. She is known as the Angel CFO. Simone advises women business owners in making wise financial decisions for maximized business profitability, increased personal wealth, and joyful living. She has 25 plus years of experience in the financial industry, including the big four company, KPMG, Pete Martwick, as well as the private sector. Simone is a law of attraction and manifestation expert. She loves advising her clients on how to have the mindset and money management skills to create a thriving business and live a wealthy, joyful life. Simone, welcome to the show. That sounds very impressive. Thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking to you. I am too. So just so everybody knows the background a little bit, I met Simone at a co-working space slash networking event somewhere in about a year ago. It might have been the beginning of 2020. It might have been the end of 2019. We don't really know. But we ended up at a high top table together by the wall and Simone I could tell was like in observation mode and I liked I liked observing her observation <laughs> um, you know yeah. first of all she looked amazing head to toe oh, and I, and she had a great vibe and then I watched her watching and I was like oh she's got some good thoughts so I started following her on, on Instagram and on LinkedIn and everywhere that you follow people and yeah. I've been watching from afar for, you know, about that year or whatever it is. And I'm loving what you do. And I needed to do a follow-up episode to the episode that I did with Kimberly Taylor a few weeks ago. We jumped into her burnout story and then went into her expertise as a money mindset expert. But yeah. you call yourself a wealth expert instead. Yeah. Why that shift? That's a great question. Yes, I actually did do just primarily mindset work for a while. And I found that it wasn't holistic enough for me in terms of what I wanted to help women with, help myself with really, because my journey, I started out in a very kind of traditional conservative accounting job. And, and I felt very, very limited by that. And, and then also it was kind of ironic because even though I was in this traditional accounting environment and I had this degree in accounting, right? I was a bachelor of science in accounting. I was horrible with money. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I really just personally, I was, it was not good. And so I had to go kind of go on this journey of healing my relationship with money. Um, which took me to a point of being a money mindset expert coach, right? Slash coach. And then what I figured out was, is that 
I was kind of split in two where I was thinking that I had to have my very traditional accounting uh, business on one side. And then I had to do my other kind of right brain, fun, creative money mindset piece on the other side. And what I came to realize was that I could actually do both under one umbrella and I could kind of embrace all of myself. And in embracing all of myself, not just what I knew, what I learned, what my skill set was, but really embracing myself is when I started to tune into wealth and what wealth really is. And, you know, because I had heard many times, um, because I, I was always, because money has been such a struggle for me, I'd say it's been my biggest teacher, one of my biggest teachers. I was always reading about it, studying it, reading about wealthy people, their mindsets, different mentors. And all of these wealthy people, mentors would say, after they were wealthy, would say, well, wealth isn't really about money. It's, it's about, it's really a state of being. And I was like, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> As a millionaire, that's nice. What I was missing is that it wasn't, wealth is about a state of being and the money is a reflection of that state of being, which differentiates wealthy and rich, right? So all that to say, once I had really connected with myself and started to appreciate myself and what I uniquely bring as not just in the marketplace, but as a human being, then I started to have more an understanding of what they meant by wealth is a state of being. It's a state of appreciation for being for oneself. And, and hopefully your money lines up with that inner experience of yourself. So once I came into that understanding, then it was like, oh, okay, I'm not, it's, it's not just about money. I'm not just speaking about money mindset. I'm speaking about wealth. I'm speaking about a state of being and how your business, your finances, and what you want to create with that business and that finances, your life is, can all be a, a reflection of this wealthy state of being that you are choosing to, to live and what I like that you just said is uh, there's two things. One, you said I was horrible with money. And I know oh, yeah. that about 95% of the people listening are like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. So we're going to get into that in a second. Okay. And then the other thing that I that you said that I think is important is at some point you decided to blend the essence of who you are with the knowledge that you acquired and the paper yeah. that proves the knowledge that you acquired. Yes. Right. You melded that with your essence in order to create the business that you have, Yes, which is true. also a really wonderful way to avoid burnout. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so good job. Good to know that. Yeah. Like high fives all around on that. So let's dig into, I was horrible with money because this yeah. is when you start with money mindset work, quite often they're saying, what are you often saying about money and is it actually true? And let's start to examine those beliefs. So yeah. when you say I was horrible with money, what did that mean in your life? Well, I, I was a big overspender, mm -hmm. right? So I, I gotten a, a college degree and, um, and, you know, in my, in the way I was brought up in my family, getting your education and getting a college degree was, that was great. You know, that was what you, there was no choice in the matter. And so I'd felt I'd, oh, I made it, you know, I have done it. What my parents said I should do. Great. 
And so I, I was at the mall all the time. I was at the mall every weekend. I was buying way, you know, way more than I could afford. And I literally, I never forget, I, I, I was literally working a corporate job and I had a car repossessed, you know? So there was a huge disconnect. Mm. There's a huge disconnect between, you know, myself and, and boundaries and what I could afford and where I was really placing my values and, and money and what I was kind of avoiding about myself and how I would use kind of money and shopping almost sometimes as a way to kind of punish myself, right? So it was kind of a, a, kind of a sick relationship. Say more about the punishing yourself with, with buying things. Yeah, well, so on the surface, on the surface, it, it was like, okay, yeah, well, I, I want to, I want to, I like nice things, right? Or um, I like the latest things. And I, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, but I would avoid really figuring out if I could afford it or not. I just assumed I could. But it was a surface assuming I could. Deep down inside, I knew I couldn't really. I, I always felt kind of a little weird or bad. or It was always like guilt after I'd, I'd done it, right? And so it was this kind of sick game I was kind of playing with myself where I would avoid really looking at the reality of the situation and I would use kind of money and things to kind of I guess deal with the pain the pain of that but but more than that there were some things that I just as a human being I was struggling with that I guess I used shopping and um, overspending to to deal with and, and just in the fact that I really did not like my job at all. I, I questioned whether I even wanted to go into the field that I wanted to go into. And now I was, you know, in this very kind of stuffy conservative culture that didn't line up with who I was at all. I was, I was just out of college, but I was back home living with my family. I mean, there was a lot going on that I just felt a little bit too painful for me to deal with. And so I would kind of, instead of dealing with it, I would kind of just punish myself with the guilt of shopping shopping and guilt. And yes. So it was like, all right, I wasn't completely letting myself off because it didn't feel great, but then I don't still don't get to have to like deal with it really, you know? Yeah. There's a bandaid. Yeah. There's a bandaid. So What's really interesting about this is that it's really similar to a burnout story where we ignore the problem, right? We know that things are not quite right and we ignore the problem. And for you, it came out in, I need to learn how to handle my money. And in burnout, I think what happens really frequently, and I posted about this quite a few weeks ago, and I got a lot of attention that it can lead to cycles of feast and famine because you work really, really, really hard Mm -hmm. because you're like trying to achieve all this stuff. And then you get the big paycheck and then you're like, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Oh shit, I'm empty, right? So you go through these cycles of building yourself up and then crashing and building yourself up and crashing and building yourself up and crashing, which is to me part of the burnout cycle because there's no sense of balance in your life. There's no sense of balance in your finances. There's no sense of balance in your energy. You're either using all your energy or you're on vacation. Like there's nothing in between. So- What I teach people to do often is how to live in that middle state a little more frequently. And it sounds like that's what you're teaching people to do with their money. So 
Right. How did you decide what was there a day that you woke up and you were like, I've got to get this shit under control? Or was it more of a gradual step by step realization? Like I have to face some crap so that I can do this better. That's a great question. I, I, I still feel I'm on that journey every, Mm -hmm. every day of, okay, I'm going to consciously choose balance today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to consciously, I'd say that there were, there have been different points throughout the journey where it's like, okay, now it's time to step up more. Okay. Now it's time to step up to the next level. I'd say the first, the first one is when I had come back from, I had been out in California. So I, I left my corporate job and I completely went the opposite direction. I started doing more creative stuff, singing, songwriting, acting. And I did that for a while in California, but again, I I was broke, (laughs) right? I wasn't, I wasn't really making a lot of money. And then there was just this moment. I think I had just turned 30, you know, I was maybe early thirties and I started to reflect a little bit more on, um, the future, right? In the twenties, it was just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to go from the wing it. But I was like, you know, I can, I can easily see myself being 40 years old waiting table, still trying to make it, you know? And is that, is that really what, what I want to do. And then it was also during this time, it was just before the secret and Oprah had kind of taken on the secret and, and, you know, um, it became mainstream, but right around this time when I was starting to self-reflect a bit and, and also like, how, how does life really work? How do I really make things work for myself? Um, without just, instead of just like by default, right. And wishing and hoping for the best. And I, and I was introduced to Abraham Hicks, like Mm. right when, you know, they were still on tape cassettes and stuff like that. Right. So I was just listening to Abraham Hicks over and over and over again. And it was still very kind of like a little, it wasn't mainstream and it was a little, it was a little weird. So it was a little, but it spoke to me. And then right when I made the decision to go back home and so I left California I went back to my parents' house and I felt so dejected. And I was like, all right, I'm going to really see if this whole notion of deliberate creation, creating my life, does that really work? Is that really real? Or is this just some BS? And then next thing I know, I see the secret on Oprah. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool sign. (laughs) And so it was that moment where I said, okay, enough. I'm going to take responsibility for myself, my finances. I'm going to give my all to building this business so that I can be out of my parents' house in a year. That was my goal. And, um, and that's what I did. It was a little bit less than a year. Maybe it took, about, took me about nine months because, yep, I, I moved home in December of like 2006. And then I uh, formally started my business in like May of 2007. And then by December of 2007, I, I moved out into my own place. And that's when I really said, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to get my finances together. So we must have been in California at a similar time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I was there from 2001 to 2006. I was there 2003 to 2006. 2002 to 2006. Okay. 2007. So yeah. Seven. Yeah. Around that same time. Yeah. I was in LA. I was in San Diego. Okay. So really close. We call, but from San Diego, we call LA, Hell yeah. It was 
It was intense. Yeah. LA is its own beast, man. Yes, it is. So on the show, on Fried, I talk a lot about how when you're burnt out, manifestation, law of attraction, even simple things like meditation are not your best bet because when you're burnt out, the frontal portion of your brain has shrunk. The animal part of your brain is overactive and you're going to try really hard to do those things instead of allow yourself to feel those things, which is a different practice completely. And you can't feel those things because you don't have that actual physiological ability at the moment. And at the same time, I know that these things are important and we need to be able to get there. Right. So when I have people come in and they tell me that like, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to do a gratitude journal, but I start writing it and I feel like it's bullshit. Like I'm bullshitting myself, you know, and I felt that. And when you're burnt out, that's what it feels. So I have people start with a resentment journal instead. Let's get this stuff out. Let's create some boundaries. Let's recreate some energy for you. Let's get you back on track so that you can use these principles. So you're talking about Abram Hicks. And what I want to know is, I mean, I know exactly who they are because I have spent a lot of hours listening to Abram Hicks, but there might be people listening to the podcast that are going, Abram, Abraham, who? Ah, yes. So let's tell, let's tell the audience who you're talking about. Yeah. And what that's about a little bit. Abraham Hicks. Yes. So I was introduced to Abraham Hicks. And my, my introduction to them was, this is, this is a woman who channels information about, you know, how to create something in your life that you want. And I was like, okay, sure. Cool. <laughs> Why not? California. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, well, sure, sure. And yeah, in, in, in the beginning, it was, it was a little, I don't want to, I don't want to, use the word weird. I wouldn't say weird, but it was, it's it was a little a, weird in the beginning. We I guess say it was that. A little, yeah, it was a little odd because, you know, her voice was different. It sounded, and I wasn't sure because quite honestly, and still to this day, I have no idea if she's making it up or not. She might be, it could all be a scam. I don't know. But, but what she was saying, the information that she was sharing helped me. It worked when I applied it to my life. So and I, and I kind of do that with everything is, you know, my personal kind of sense or th- th- thoughts about someone or, or what they're doing, or if, is it valid or not? I do that by way of, does it work for me? Does it resonate with me first? And when I follow through on what the suggestion is, does it work? And so, but yes, it, it was, it was very odd in the beginning. And it's like, well, yes, she, we can know? just say that we can just say yeah, that it's very, like, I'm very woo woo. I'm a medium. I talk to my dead grandmother. I mean, I'm out there. Yeah. And I, be, I, I very strongly believe in all the science that backs up past life regressions. And I'm, I'm into all of it. I like all of yeah. it. And at the same time, that's the kind of stuff that if you are not into the spiritual world at all, or you're steeped in a very strong religious background, which makes you very suspicious of things like that, sure. it is very, very strange, right? So the name of the woman that channels 
is her name is Esther, right? Her name is Esther Hicks. Yeah. And you can look her up on YouTube. There's a ton of stuff available that's for free and you can listen to the stuff all the time. And she talks about trusting yourself, trusting what you're putting out there and being very clear and intentional with how you're doing things. And that's something that you said before, like you kind of went from throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it stuck to, I'm going to be intentional about my life. Yes. I'm going to be intentional about creating my life. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, I think the other thing too is, and that's why it has to be resonant. Like I'm a, I'm a huge believer in resonance and I'm a huge believer in signs. Like, you know, I don't believe in coincidence at all and signs that say, okay, you're, you're, this is lining up, you're heading in the right direction. So the, and, and you speaking about that, the other thing that helped me kind of get over the weirdness of the oddness of it was also, I had an aunt who was very, very woo-woo, very ahead of her time, my, my great aunt. She was, at that time when I was in California, she was in her 80s. And she was very into reading, oh gosh, Seth. Seth. So Seth was similar to Abraham, was a, f- a few decades earlier than Abraham. And there was a woman, I forget her name, Jane, Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth. And so right around this time, I was talking to my great aunt about this, these things and all a lot of other things that she was into meditation and all of these things. And right around the same time. And then I learned about Abraham and I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe there's something to this. Right. So it was like, I kind of got what I needed to get a level of comfortability with it that maybe I wouldn't have had if, I had never heard of anything like this, but I had heard from my great aunt who's <laughs> talking about these things. So, but it, but it has it has to resonate. And and the other thing that I've found that I, I think is is a huge misunderstanding, at least in the way I apply law of attraction, is that it it can come across as way very heady, yeah, and very like what. I'm going to use mind power <laughs> to, to do this, to move mountains. And it can become very heady. And it, but it has to be embodied to work. Yes. And, and so it wasn't, when I used the law of attraction and when I was doing in that process of uh, creating my business during that time, it had very little to do with affirmations or whatever, or heady. It had everything to do with me, like you said, embodying this person that I wanted to be, feeling gratitude, feeling whatever I felt, feeling rage, feeling despair, feeling scared, feel like all of these things that I had avoided by shopping and overspending. Mm -hmm. And the power I found in it was, is starting right where I was with how I felt and then taking that energy and turning it towards or into what I wanted. That's how I processed it. But because even before that time when I was in California and I was reading about, there was a book by Ayala Van Zant yeah. and another guy who has a church, uh, Agape Church out in California. Yep. Right. Michael, Michael Beckwith. Yes. And he had a book about affirmations and da, 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 but it was heady. And I was doing affirmations and saying them in the, in the morning, every morning, but nothing was happening. Right. And I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Right. Right. This is, this doesn't work. Exactly. But so I don't, they might've said what it needed to be, but it just didn't, it didn't land with me at the time. Right. 
And for me, I had to learn that, yeah, it's not about an affirmation. It's about embodying, living the affirmation and acknowledging how I really feel. And from that, I can choose with that same energy to channel it wherever I'd like. And I love this so much because this gets to the heart of what my biggest issue with how it's taught most of the time is, which is the massive, massive spiritual bypassing. Oh, yes. That's 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 happening, right? In the world of the law of attraction Uh and abundance and all that, no negative feelings, you know, don't avoid everything negative. You should only feel positive things. And people get all messed up and they say, well, I can't. You want me to do a resentment journal? Yeah, that's And I'm like, yes, I want you to do a resentment journal because you're fucking angry. That's right. And let's deal with that. And let's use that energy and transform it into boundaries so that you stop leaking the energy that you're leaking being so resentful all the time. That's amazing. Right? So this is something that I think is so damn important because everybody that I know that's putting out this information is like, just smile and unicorns will shoot out your butt. And that's just not the way it works. You have to be able to and be willing to face the music. It's very true. You have to be willing to face the music. And when it comes to burnout, that means admitting that you're burnt out and asking someone for help. When it comes to being out of control with your finances, that means facing your finances and asking someone for help. That's right. It means facing it. Facing it. You have Sitting to. down and facing it. And let me tell you, it's not always fun. No, no, it's not. It's, it's the exact opposite, but <laughs> this is, this is life, right? This is yeah. life. This is adult life. Yeah. <laughs> and so the quicker we figure out that the quicker we figure out that life isn't meant to be, you know, fairies and rainbows and, you know, that's not what life is meant to be all the time, then the better it gets. And I think, I think that's also a part of like maturity, right? Yeah. Emotional intelligence and, and the ability to see nuance. Thank you. And yes. And, 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 and getting out of this idea of good and bad, good feelings, bad feelings. And, you know, and, because I, I had to learn that as well of like, oh, I'm feeling scared or, oh, I'm mad. And when I kind of got into, well, what if I don't consider that a bad feeling? Exactly. What if I don't consider that a negative feeling? What if it's of just a feeling, right? Yeah. And then in, in it just being a feeling, then it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It is rainbows and whatever. That's what and I say all. about resentment. I'm like, okay. you guys, I love this emotion. It's amazing, right? Chinese medicine. So my background is I'm an acupuncturist, right? So I still do acupuncture twice a week in New York City, but the rest of the time I'm doing burnout coaching, the podcast and writing the book and and all of those other speaking events and all those other things. But for me in Chinese medicine, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. Oh, is that right? Yeah, this has been part of my practice for a long, long time. Actually, my time in California was spent getting a master's degree in Chinese medicine. That's why I was there for, for that chunk of time. And in Chinese medicine, every single emotion should be felt transformed and released, right? Felt, processed, and released. And then when it when that happens, it's useful for the body. So, mm. you know, the, the heart needs joy yeah. in order to fulfill its function. It yeah. can't have too much joy. That means mania. And it can have too little joy. That means anxiety or sadness, right? But it's yeah. got to have some joy. We repress joy as much as we repress anger a lot of times because we're not, it's not, it's uncouth. 
to yeah, show yeah. your joy, yeah. right? A little crazy, a little kooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, she's so happy. Lucky her must be nice. Right, right, You know, right. you're supposed to be made to feel guilty when things are going well for you, which is part of my money mindset shit, you know, uh, right? And then so for, for instance, anger is the liver. So when you have enough anger, it moves the energy of the liver the way that it's meant to be moved. If you have too much, it compounds it. If you don't, if you don't use it enough, then it slows down. So every emotion in Chinese medicine must be felt and used properly. And I think this is a concept that would be really lovely if it was sort of spread out into the world at large, because it makes, it takes a huge amount of pressure off of being positive. It's really hard to, I mean, just this year. Especially for women. Right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's but like you said, this year alone. Go ahead. You're gonna this say this year alone. No, that was all I was saying. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. like a let it sit there. This year alone, full yes. stop. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's been yeah. so much. Yes, and, and just the uh, the the notion of, and I know I'm not alone in this. Of, of yeah. sometimes just walking down the street and hearing, oh, smile. It's not that bad. It's like, well, right. Like what? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I, lo- I love that. I love that, that, that about the, um, there's no such thing as a negative energy and that, and that, that energy actually is useful in the body if it's processed, I guess you could say, and, let, and then let go. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, especially with the heart and joy and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heart, joy, liver, anger, lungs, sadness, and grief, kidneys, oh, fear. Okay. okay. Yeah. Kidneys, fear, spleen, worry. And what, what is the, what do, no, I'm interviewing you. And then what do the lungs, what's, what's the, the emotion for lungs? Grief. Uh, grief. But then what's the, is there a grief, so heart, it, joy? And yeah, lungs? they're not all, that's the thing. They're not positive and negative. Okay. So it's grief. Wow. It's, it's allowing yourself to feel changes to, fully. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Right, and grief yeah. in Chinese medicine applies to the loss of anything. Uh-huh. So, for instance, the loss of our quote-unquote old normal this year. Mm-hmm. We should have gone through a grieving process this year, and if you haven't, you will likely feel more burdened than the people who have. Mm-hmm. I grieved this change already. Yeah. Yeah. So this year has been tough, but I'm okay because I know that that's gone and I have said my goodbyes and I've gone through the anger around it and the frustration and the disappointment and the, all of it. But you're supposed to do that when things are this shitty. Got it. You're, you're meant to, and people will find the silver lining, like find the silver lining after you grieve, please. Yeah. Yeah. You find yeah. the silver lining for sure. Find it. Look for it. Absolutely. Yeah. But find it after. Yeah. You go through the process, right? Yeah. So one of the yeah. things that I wanted to ask you about, because this is something interesting that's happened in my life. When I was living in Europe, so I was in Europe for 12 years after California. And when I was living in Europe, I had a lot less mindset issues when it comes to money than I did in the United States. And this was because of a couple of things. One, I was away from people who I assumed would be judging me. 
right? And when I moved, there was only Facebook, like there was nothing else. Instagram didn't even exist. Like smartphones didn't, Facebook was only on a computer. You couldn't even use it on the phone. Google maps did not exist. So we're talking like, this is 2007. The first iPhone just barely came out. Nobody could afford it. Nobody had it. I was Skyping my mom at home. You know, that's what was happening. And I went there and my husband grew up in a very different financial circumstance than I did. So he didn't have as many barriers to spending, earning, and everything else that I did. So that opened me up to a lot of things. The people that he knew from college that were our friends also mostly were wealthy. Okay. So that was, it was easy for me to accept wealth Mm. because I was like, well, of course I'm going to be wealthy. Everyone I know is wealthy. Yeah. But where I grew up, it's the exact opposite story. And when I moved back to the States a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. I found myself falling into old patterns again, old Mm -hmm. generational things of like feeling guilty for having too much. If you have more than this, you should be, you know, basically feeding your entire family. Meanwhile, most of my family is perfectly okay, but I also have 36 cousins and we'll never, like, I'm never going to feed all of them. That's just not not the way it's going to happen. But there's these things that happen that, turned back on when I came back to this country. So my question is, if I came to you and said, Simone, I have this business, I'm managing, Mm -hmm. I'm paying all my bills, Mm -hmm. that could be better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I got thrown back to my childhood as far as money mindset. What would you do? We don't actually have to go through the process. I just, I just want to use this as an exercise to show your expertise. Yeah, well, my, my question would be, why is being thrown back to what happened in your childhood a problem? Probably because I haven't dealt with it, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Because, yeah. you know, patterns are going to continue to come up. And there, no, one, no one ever masters money mindset. You know, no one. Mm. There's always things that will, that will come up. So, because so, there's a tendency to believe that once I got this down, once I've mastered this, I'm done. I'm never going to have any issues with money or feelings, yes. or anything ever again. That's how people feel about burnout too. You see? It's the same. And that's not mastery. The mastery, which you say is the nuance uh, and the beauty and the art of responding in a, a, a new, more uh, conscious, mm. you know, gracious way towards old patterns. Yeah. Right. And and even because thoughts are really like thoughts are really all even if they're new, more shiny, empowered thoughts, they're still past. It's still mm. in response to a past. They're the past. I know you know what I mean. Yes. And so to the, then my questioning would be around, well, what what do you want? What do you want around money? And if it's wealth, usually usually it's questions around wealth. So it's about, okay, so if we're talking about wealth, wealth is already who you are. It's your state of being, which is always before, prior to any thought that comes up. Mm. So, so if, right, so there's no issue really with what's coming up besides the thoughts that the are, thoughts attached, that are to attached to it. And there could be a, a greater kind of, if I think of, if I think of wealth as like this, this post that I hold on to this, right? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's this, instead uh, of this thing that flows. Yes. It's like almost like your spine, you know, mm. the spine 
that your constitution is formed around, your mindset is formed around this, this spine of wealth, right? So it's, it's, sounds also like there's just, there could be some more increasing the strength of your spine, the attachment mm. to the spine. Mm. So that if the old patterning comes up, oh, that's nice. It's oh, interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm having yeah. that thought. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. sweetie. But I'm wealthy. <laughs> so there's a lot of grace in your process when you work with people. You have to have grace. Yeah. You have to have grace. I, I think that grace is what is what helps. Grace leads it all, I believe. Mm. You know, I agree. Because, right? I mean, it's pure grace that if you grew up with certain beliefs and ideas and patterns, it's pure grace that you would even think that it's possible it could be different. Yeah. Right? It's grace yeah. that you that you someone comes along and tells you it can be different for you. Yeah. Right? And then it's grace that you listen. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it's grace that you follow through. Right. And then it's more grace that it shifts. Are you guys listening to this? <laughs> right. All so great. when somebody comes into you and so you work with a lot of high level CEOs, successful business women, you're working with a lot of like million plus entrepreneurs. Yeah. When they're coming to you, what are the things that you're seeing with them? Yeah. Well, it's interesting the money and the burnout piece. So a lot of them um, they're used to, it's a little bit more challenging because they're used to operating in burnout, but that burnout hasn't caused them to be a failure. It's caused them to be a success. Yes. Which is actually right? the same as my clients. Okay. So, which is why they come to see me. Yeah. Very often I hear people say, yeah. I'm extremely successful. I have this killer business, yes. but like, is this it? Right. That's right. That's right. That's is right. this it? Is this my life? Yes. And that's what we end up working through. This is what the burnout is. Like I got to the top of everything that I wanted mm -hmm. and I'm looking down from the top of this mountain and I'm thinking, that's not that great. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And, and, and it's, oh, or it's like, oh, well, I want more or I want to do more. I want to, I want to change something. You know, right. I know I need to change. I know I need to shift. Yeah. But I don't know how, how do I yes. do it? How do I yeah. let go? Yeah. How do I, because a lot of, a lot of it is, it, it's disguised as, well, I don't really know when I'm ready to afford to hire a team or hire this person mm. to help me no longer be in overwhelm and burnout. Right. right? When am I going to be ready to, to uh, let that go so I can focus more on high and high value activities in my business? Right. Right. It's disguised as that. But really the question is, can I release control, right? Yes. Can, and will, and can will I, you give me permission to? And I have to right. say, no, 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 no. You will give you permission to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do I have permission to release control? Can yeah. I really trust, right? It's about trust and, and releasing control, which is, so there's a lot of that where it's, it's me just giving them permission to yeah. actually relax yeah. and actually to trust that they can because what they're doing, it doesn't necessarily bring them wealth. It's what, who they're being that's bringing them the wealth. Right. And once they can make that shift, then there's more relaxed. Then they don't feel like they have to run themselves in the ground 
just them to get it done. Right. They can relax, they can trust, and they can open, and they can recognize that there's something larger that's actually supporting them to move forward. Yeah. Because they, they, they don't have to hold it anymore. all up themselves. Yeah. So it sounds like we have often the same clients that are just thinking about different, they're, they're using different words to describe their scenarios, but their uh, goals are the same. And which I find really interesting because that's what I feel like I learned about religion. I studied, I minored in religion in college before I went to study acupuncture. And when I really dug down to the end of it, I kept hearing the same messages. And when I talk to coaches that are, no matter what they're working with and no matter what their focus is at the bottom of the deck, like underneath all the information, we're all really doing the same thing. It's all the same stem. And I find that so fascinating. And it's the same with medicine. It doesn't, I'm an acupuncturist. It doesn't matter if you use acupuncture or Ayurveda or Reiki or surgery. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yes. It's all, we're all trying to get to the same well-being yes. Yes, underneath we it all. Yes, we are. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Yeah. Can you believe 50 minutes has passed? No. Wow. What have we been? Wow. <laughs> the Fry the Burnout podcast has like a time warp associated with it. Okay. All right. Wow. 50 minutes. And that just I feel like we're just getting started. I know. Right. So, but we are, instead of just getting started, we are going to wrap, start wrapping up because, and what I would like for you to share with people, just so that everyone knows, please do not worry as per usual, all of Simone's info and everywhere you can find her will be in the show notes. Links to her freebie, which you want, will be in the show notes. Links to her course will be in the show notes. Everything will be there. So you don't have to worry about remembering anything, spelling anything. I'm going to do it all for you because burnt out brains should not have to be burdened by such tasks. <laughs> so don't worry about that. It'll all be there. Wonderful. Simone, if you had a thousand people in front of you right now Mm. you're on a stage and there's a thousand people standing in front of you Mm. and you had to tell them something that you knew would change at least a percentage of their lives Mm. what would you tell them well uh i would i would say i would say that yeah in the context of wealth anything context whatever you think yeah, in the context of wealth or really context of anything is is anything that you anything that you truly want, anything that you truly desire, you you actually already are it. Mm. Right? You actually you are actually already are it now. And the the journey of getting anywhere to achieve something that doesn't you don't seem to have right now is the great stuff of life of being a human being right and so to really give yourself a break you know i would say just like take take it easy give yourself a break and um yeah just just give yourself a tremendous amount of grace and and i and i would also say that the journey doesn't have to be as hard as we're conditioned to feel that it is it's really it doesn't have to be so hard it's not that it won't be challenging it will but it doesn't have to be so hard you don't have to suffer through it and the way to really see the shift in your life that you want to see 
is very simple. It's mindset. It's mindset. No matter what it is, 80% of your results of you achieving what you want to achieve is, is mindset. 20% is skill, right? Um, skill set. So if you really want to move the needle closer to what you want, then you have to start with yourself first. And in my experience, when I really looked at mindset, because for me, it's like, yes, there's mindset. But I think bigger than that, it's um, beingness, being set. <laughs> beingness, that's what's going to move the needle. So who's the one that's going to be meditating? Who's the one that's going to have the shift? Who's the one that's going to be doing affirmations? Who's the one that's going to improve their finances, right? It's that one mm. that you have to attend to first. It's that one who you have to have compassion for mm. first. It's that one who you have to appreciate first. So if you can get in touch with who you are, what your values are, and then have a great love and compassion for that one, you will be shifted tremendously and immediately closer to what it is that you want. So start with yourself first and start with really truly loving, valuing, and having compassion for who you are first. And, and then the rest will be a much, much easier ride <laughs> from there, for sure. Amen. Yeah. I love that advice. And for those of you who are struggling to yeah. create that space for yourself, that's what coaches are for. That is literally what we do. We love you until you can love yourself. We value you until you can value yourself. We find your worthiness and point it out to you over and over again until you start pointing it out yourself. Yes. That's what oh, that's we do. So yes. So true. So if you are feeling stuck, mm -hmm. please don't try to DIY everything all the time. We exist for a reason. We took these jobs and did these studies for a reason. Yeah. We used coaches ourselves mm. for a reason. You think I learned to love myself by myself? Hell no. Ditto. <laughs> I did not do this by myself. I listened not to Abraham Hicks and I listened to Joe Dispenza and I listened to a whole bunch of stuff and I still needed somebody to sit there and look at me and say when I was in the depths of my despair, yeah. you are still lovable right now. I needed that from somebody else. So if you need that, that is not a weakness. You are just a human and that's oh. what we're here for. So don't suffer on your own. Please get in touch with us. We love you so much. Simone, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. All right, fried fans. Until next time.